Welcome back to another episode of the Dadhood Podcast. On this episode, we talked about the father wound, talked about healing from the effects of having an absent father. And I did did this with Ahsan uh, Anwar. And because of the nature of the topic, it being about uh, trauma and healing from that, I wanted to start off with a few disclaimers. So number one, neither myself or my guests Ahsan are professionals in terms of psychotherapy or anything like that. We are both just very interested in the topic of healing from our traumas and we wanted to discuss it with each other. And Essen has some experience in terms of coaching uh, some of his clients when it comes to uh, suffering from these types of traumas. Um, so that's that's one thing. The other is that uh, Essen doesn't um, uh, have, uh, although it seems like he has a Muslim name, he is not uh, a Muslim himself, he doesn't ascribe to, ascribe to any uh, particular faith. So he has certain ways in which he looks at healing and the way that um, one can deal with traumas, uh, which is outside of a faith perspective. And me, I come from an Islamic faith perspective. So we were able to share a platform where he was able to express the way he understood it and I was able to express the way I understood it. Um, so neither, this doesn't mean that the way that he understands it is correct. Neither does it say that, you know, the way I understand it is the way that he should or people from a non-faith background should understand it like that either. Um, it just means that he has a perspective and I have a perspective and we were coming on the same platform to share our uh, perspectives. Uh, and also, <clears throat> for those of you to know who are listening back to it now, is that it was done over an Instagram live where his audience um, were uh, watching and my audience were watching. And with my audience being predominantly Muslim, I was coming from a Muslim angle. And with his audience, it seems like it's not predominantly uh, from a faith background, or at least he isn't. He was coming from that angle. Um, and uh, there may be some things that uh, I disagree with in terms of his outlook, but that doesn't mean that um, disagreement or him being on the platform means that, um, you know, that I, I, uh, I promote any views that I disagree with. It just means that we're having a healthy conversation uh, about uh, healing from trauma. So I think that's a few disclaimers for you to take into mind when it comes to hearing some of our points of view and just knowing that, you know, uh, any advice that we give should also be taken by a pinch of salt, whether from me or whether for, from Essen. So anyway, I hope this is a topic which everybody who's listening can really enjoy and can really take some benefit from because I definitely took benefit from the conversation when it comes to healing from the father wound, as we call it. And that's exactly what we're going to get into right now. Daddy! Daddy! Are we ready to yeah, roll? Yeah, so definitely definitely i'm excited i'm really excited all right good stuff all right so guys um let's start this off a bit formally from my side so uh this is actually uh the dadhood podcast essentially um so the dadhood podcast is a podcast which i run um so my name is Shwe. for those of you who don't know many of you are joining um over from Hassan's channel um and his instagram page my name is Shoaib, and i reached out to Hassan. Uh, just to see if we could put this together. So I run something called the po Dadhood Podcast, where I interview loads of different fathers, mainly Muslim fathers, but I have interviewed a few um, that are not, not not Muslim or not from the faith. Um, and what we do is just talk about, you know, all, all things to do with being a dad. And reach out to Ahsan saying that, okay, do you know what? We should probably do something because you've gone around, done these reels and done these posts about... The, you know, the father wound and healing from the father wound. And that's something that I personally have had 
uh, my own experiences with. I didn't grow up with my father. And it's something that we talk about a lot on my podcast. So I wanted to bring him on and have this discussion, um, co-host a discussion that hopefully you guys who are listening can benefit from this. Um, and this is going to be uh, kind of put together um, as like a proper podcast in terms of video and audio a little bit later. So after the live is done, if maybe you missed a little bit out, then um, we'll we'll put it out uh, so you guys can listen to it in full with maybe a bit extra quality as well. You might see the quality dropping here and there because of internet connections, but hopefully the actual recording is going to be really spick and span. So that's my introduction uh, to myself and uh, in terms of why we put this all together. Um, and where do you want to take this? You know, do you have any, uh, should, should I shoot a question to you? Do you want to shoot a question back at me? Where do you want to take it, bro? Uh, well, thanks for the intro and, and thanks for, for reaching out to me and having me on your podcast. And it also it's a pleasure to do this Instagram live with you and have you on my Instagram. So it's pretty cool that there's two channels going here <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just exciting. So as a life coach for myself, my work around the father wound is very, very specific. So I just want to start by letting everyone know who's who's listening to this from my end. What what does that mean? What what is a father wound? Okay. It's quite a broad term, but I recently did a video saying the more tense you felt around your father as a child the more likely you are to go into survival mode as an adult. So you'll experience more overthinking, you'll experience more career stress, you'll experience more general anxiety, and you'll also experience relationship issues because you haven't had a healthy model of, of a relationship. So it branches out into so many different directions. Now, as a coach, I specialize in helping people to reduce that anxiety, to reduce that stress, to lower their guard, to feel safe, to, to, to understand that, Hey, it's safe for you to relax. You don't need to prove yourself and yeah, just to feel safe within their body. So that is what the father wound is for me. And th there are other manifestations of it as well. Like if your father just wasn't even around, that's a different story, but I'm not going to go into that. Um, so that is my input of, of what this is, but what about for yourself? Do you want to talk about those areas that I've said, or do you have your own unique input as to as to what that is? Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of what the father wound really means to me, it's very much exactly what you said. But uh, you know, in my case, it was that that my father wasn't around, so it being kind of like a the wound is basically for me um, a part of me that has been left open. You know, there's a part of me that's missing. And that part is basically when my father wasn't around and didn't give me what I needed for my father growing up. And so over time, in order to actually heal that wound and to close it, it's about me addressing that and knowing that, okay, that, that was an issue that happened in my life. And instead of running away from that experience, which I could easily so bat away and say that that wasn't traumatic for me. Why? Because growing up, I didn't really miss out on much in terms of provisions my mom was there she did everything for us you know i had uh, an elder brother an elder sister i had uncles i had aunties i had cousins i had uh, a huge family support network so what did i really miss out on so i could easily bat that away and say Do you know what there was no wound there there wasn't anything uh, there wasn't no nothing missing but that's just running away from the problem if if you don't have a mother or a father in your life um there is going to be some level of trauma that you're feeling whether you recognize it or not and you need to then be mature enough to actually address that and know that that 
there's something missing there. There's a wound there, is what I would say. And uh, something needs to be done to actually start stitching that up. And that's a journey that I've recently started to take. Yeah, well said. And uh, it takes a lot of bravery and courage to, to look back. And like I said this when we were speaking off camera before, especially for Asian people, but for all people worldwide, it's considered like bad to even question yeah. Yeah. your parents at all and, and, and say, hey, they're not perfect. They're human. Maybe they didn't make mistakes. Maybe some things are actually really bad for me. If you even speak about any of these things, you're considered like ungrateful or it's blasphemy to do this yeah. and that in itself is a cause of trauma to not be honest about the depth of how you're feeling is a cause of trauma mm. <laughs> so um we're, i'm quite intrigued about your specific the degree of absence with your father do you want to tell us a little bit yeah, yeah. about that and how you feel it translated yeah definitely happy to share that so um you know to start from from the very top it's i connected with my father when I was 23 years old and I'm 27 now so it's been about mm. four years maybe just under mm. four years when I've actually mm. connected with him I had a relationship with him so to go back from there and to, to realize how I got to that point um my my mother and my father divorced when I was maybe about one years old so I have no memories of my father I did not I wasn't I wasn't in his, in his presence at all whereas I have an older brother and older sister who were in his presence and they have memories with him um, and uh, that divorce happened because of a breakdown in relationship between uh, my mother and father, which was, uh, it, it was quite a difficult breakdown in the sense that there needed to be uh, a huge court case involved. So this court case took about 15 years uh, because mm. there were a lot of difficulties in that relationship. And I'm not going to go into the details of it. People can, I'm, I'm sure people know what that means, what the difficulties are <laughs> um, and why there would yeah. be court cases, right? Um, and so that took about uh, 15 years or so. And in, in that time of me sort of growing up, I, the earliest memory I have of maybe trying to question this situation was at a very young age, maybe six years old or something like this, where I'd, ask, I'd actually ask my mom what a dad even is uh, because I didn't have this concept. And sometimes I'd even see like my uncles who had obviously had, had children of their own, had my cousins. And I would some, sometimes wonder you know, what is what is his role in the family? Because I didn't recognize there being a role for a man in my family. Um, so that's one of the earliest questions that I had. And then getting older and older into sort of the teenage years, I obviously had a, a an understanding that, okay, my father's not around. I didn't grow up with my father. Um, and some of those conversations started to become normalized. Why? Because I had friends that also didn't have their fathers around. So it was, it was like, um, it was kind of easy to discuss it. Like we didn't go into any detail. I think... Um, we understood that to be like a bit of a taboo subject. So we didn't kind of go into like, oh, so how do you feel? It's more like, oh, you don't have a dad. I don't have a dad too. Let's make like a non-dad club, you know? <laughs> and uh, I think maybe that was our way of like trying to deal with uh, the potential trauma that mm. was going on in mm. our minds. Mm. Um, mm. And, uh, but then also I kind of recognized that this was more of a universal phenomenon because when you start listening to music and you listen to especially uh, hip hop and rap, a lot of the yeah. themes in there are about not having your dad around and, and things like this. Mm -hmm. And so I, I began to recognize that, okay, this is something that is a, it's a bigger phenomenon than myself. And in most cases, uh, it's having a negative effect on people. So 
even though I didn't recognize it having a negative effect on me growing up. Why? Like, because I, I mentioned earlier, I had a huge family support network, right? I had, you know, my mom was providing for us, even though I knew it was difficult for her, even though I knew we didn't have much money growing up, I knew that she was single. She still did everything that, you know, a normal parent would. We were able to buy things, go to theme parks, have days out. Um, and I had, you know, my uncles and my aunties taking me and, and getting things for me. So, um, although I didn't recognize it, it being difficult when I started to listen to these rappers and I started to see these videos and just understand the phenomenon of not having your dad around and why it's such a negative thing. I began to also question whether it is negative for myself as well. And so I started to imagine, you know, while I'm 16, I'm 17 now, I haven't had my dad around. Uh, maybe we could have had more money in the household. Maybe my, uh, my, my mom could have been happier having a good husband in her life. Uh, maybe I would have been exposed to better opportunities. Um, you know, and I started, you know, maybe my dad would be around to explain to me how to do my A-levels, how to do my GCSEs, how to get into university, how to deal relationships with girls. And so I started to question all of these things. So am I really missing out? And that did begin to sort of plant a seed of resentment towards my father and a bit of hatred towards my father. And you have to remember, like, the court case was going on and didn't it stopped when I was about 15, 16. And, and that whole court case, because of the difficulties that are involved, I'm obviously hearing a lot about how my father was to my mother and how he was mm. as a person. So whilst mm. I'm also feeling like, yeah, I didn't have my dad around, I'm also saying to myself, well, I, I probably wouldn't want him around because he was this type of man and that type of man, mm. you know? Mm. And uh, it kind of eventually got to a stage where I felt like I didn't want, really want to um, have any connection with him or, or have yeah. him in my life. Mm. And uh, the moment that, that that feeling really, really changed um, was, to be honest, was when my son was about to be born. So by, by this time, I had gotten married at about 22 years old, probably quite young for mm. <laughs> uh, many, many of the viewers here. But I think... Uh, in Asian culture and stuff, getting married a bit younger is a bit more normalized. Um, so I got married uh, around that age and it was pretty much immediately after being married, my, my wife got pregnant and uh, just before my son was being born, some something came over me. Well, I, I said to myself, I'm about to become a dad and I, ha I don't have a connection with my dad, you know? And I thought, there's something wrong here. It just doesn't sound right. Even though I convinced myself I don't want a connection with him, that he's probably a poor person to be around, mm. I just, you know, and all those kind of things, there's something that just didn't feel right that I wasn't going to come and dad and I, I didn't have a connection with him. Mm. So mm. I found his number from some relatives and I dropped him a call. And in my mind, I was thinking, this is either going to go like, this is actually to me, I didn't say have it either. It was, this is going to go terrible. Like he's just gonna he's gonna say who, who the hell are you just put the phone down and when he picked up the phone he was actually really happy to hear that this was his son that he hasn't <laughs> yeah, seen for like yeah. more than 20 years mm -hmm. and uh and and i just you know because of my the image that i had of him and what i'd known about him i just thought it was gonna go bad but it didn't and uh from that point onwards we kind of just stayed in contact stayed in touch i let him know that he's gonna be a granddad because my elder my brother uh elder brother and uh, elder sister hadn't had children at this point um so it was the, it was the first you know his first grandchild um and uh and i mean by then i had already known that he got married again and he had kids again as well so i've got half siblings too so in this kind of three to four year period it's been about me getting to know who he is and getting to know 
like my half brothers, half siblings, you know, um, uh, my, my my stepmother and the whole dad side of my family as well that I haven't met mm. for all this time. Um, so that's kind of how I got I got to that point. Yeah. Mm, yeah thank you for sharing that that a lot of things that i've just learned just listening to that because that's completely different to my upbringing that's that's the absent father wound as i've said yeah, yeah. and a, a lot of, a lot of things i i can feel into intu- intuitively how you would feel if your father isn't around mm. rage and resentment are obviously going to be and the feeling that something is missing um and funny enough those are still almost identical to the feelings of having a father who is there but you feel just didn't treat you right or was explosively angry or whatever the human emotions of discontentment tend to be the same Mm. regardless of what method they were created by yeah uh so but a commonality between us both here is that we didn't let that darken our hearts you see and that's the thing for everyone who need who is listening to this Mm. it's like the intention of talking about your difficult past and everything you went through is to to feel love again that's the end product to feel free to feel light to heal your heart to feel whole and you did a great job there and i think a really interesting part about that story was that your father was like hey i'm glad you called me son like maybe Mm. not those words but that's how he felt and what people need to realize is that our fathers even if they are absent or disappeared they didn't do it consciously they were not abusive consciously they were not absent consciously and this is perhaps the most difficult part for anyone to understand you see because when your father or my father or anyone's dad was born they weren't five years old thinking you know what my life ambition is to like have a divorce <laughs> to mistreat my child to cheat to abuse to do all these things no sane human thought that but from their childhood when they had to receive the trauma from their fathers and things like that their heart got so contracted their god came so high their emotions got so scrambled that they lost connection with their intuition they lost connection with their heart yeah. and they lost all their emotional intelligence but of course they went on to have children anyway and so what i'm saying here is really words but when you heal energetically and you can really feel this in your heart i'm telling you like the word forgiveness isn't even a word anymore you're just like cool got it understand mm. and there's no blame left or anything like that and I think the audience here have heard now from both of us how the father wound can form either through a father being mistreating you that you feel or a father not being there at all now one of the ultimate signs of healing is that you become your own father or your own mother what does this mean biologically of course you've got a father but you see the source of our suffering is actually expectation we want to rewrite the past yeah when you want to rewrite the past when you wish that your father was a different way you create your own suffering Mm. but when you can say he is his human it's okay whatever they are i'm now in charge of my emotions i'm in charge of my thoughts i'm the captain of my destiny that's when the deepest healing is set in and it's a beautiful place because at that point your dad or your parents they just, they just can't trick you anymore 
they cannot. And it took me a long time to get there, but I'm telling you, it's fucking incredible. <laughs> this <laughs> um, is this is a really really key point um, because when I was in that moment of deciding whether I should reach out to my father and whether I shouldn't, uh, one thing that was going through my mind is what's what's the outcome going to be like? You know, is there was going to be a few things, right? Either he was going to react positively and then where would that positivity lead to? So where would this relationship lead to? Either it would lead to that him wanting to be in the role of a father in my life now that we have reconnected. I, he, he wants to give me his time and he wants to hear me out. He wants to actually actively be a father in my life. What does it mean that he he's happy to have me in his life, but he's still not ready to actually actually be an active father for many reasons. Like one is that I'm already so much, you know, I've already gone through the stages of life where, where what is left for him to actually be a father there for, you know, I'm already past my twenties. I've been married. I've got a kid now. What, what, what are you going to do for me? So maybe he's like, well, there's, there's no space for me to be a father. So what I can do is have like some sort of relationship. Um, or is it going to be that he's just going to be happy the fact that okay my son is reconnected with me now and that, that's that's about it and it's like okay so what what are my expectations then <clears throat> do I want a father in my life do I want him to realize that over these 20 years he hasn't had a chance to be a father to me so now I'm I'm giving him this chance right like it's not really me uh, but uh, it's like it's like I'm giving him this I'm giving him the window to me so, so are you going to accept that? Are you actually going to reach out through that window? And are you going to be an active father or not? So all these things were going through my mind. And the thing that helped me settle was to realize that I'm not doing this for him, right? The ex me, me reaching out to him and me wanting to close that father wound, it's actually not for his sake. Because if it was for his sake, if he wanted to cut it off again, then I'd be back to square zero, right? So it's, it's not really for him. And... Is it really for myself? Because if it's for myself, I have all these expectations uh, of, to put on top of him. And I don't even know him yet, right? I'm going to put all these expectations on him for him to be you know, kind to me, for him to be a father to me now. I don't know who he is. I haven't been with him for 20 years. So how can I have that expectation? So for me, the most powerful, th uh, powerful thing was is that it's beyond me and it's, it's beyond my father. It's actually for my connection with God. And I don't know if that works with many people who are watching here. Maybe it does for some of you. It doesn't for, for um, maybe for others that's interpreted in a different way. But for me, it was like, you know, my connection with God is the most sacred thing in this relationship here. And if I can make if through this relationship to, to me and my father, I can make that vertical relationship better through this horizontal relationship, then I'm going to keep going no matter if my father reciprocates in the right way or not. And whether my expectations of him are going to be met or not, whether that happens or not, I'm going to try and keep up this horizontal relationship because I know it's going to have this vertical presence as well. I love that. That's really powerful. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I feel something very similar actually in, <clears throat> when it comes to inner child healing, you see with the, with the father wound, you feel your father was absent or didn't treat you right or whatever, wasn't emotionally available. There's a little child in you, an eight-year-old you, 10-year-old you, whatever, who just feels like they were abandoned. Mm. Something is missing. And connecting with the universe or with God is the most powerful way 
to feel that wholeness mm. and whether you believe in just darwin evolution or god through religion you're gonna feel it man when you go deep enough i'll tell you why according to if you if you look at religions like christianity or islam yeah okay there's one god that created us all in the universe mm. and we're all children of him cool you can use that then and if you just look at science, science, modern science, nothing to do with religion, is now telling us that all of us, the atoms in our body, have come directly from the stars. The, the carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen in your body were forged in stars billions of years ago. And that goes with religion too. So when you, when you connect with the fact that there is a creator that goes back billions of years that engineered us mm. that is the the life source that lives inside of us and i have a way of connecting with that really powerfully mm. it's how i help my clients and myself and i'm telling you man when you feel that <laughs> it is the most powerful thing you will feel whole you'll feel complete you'll feel powerful and you see all that power that you once gave to your father or any other parent you now reclaim it and it actually elevates because as you said vertically if you connect with god or the universe if i say to myself i'm made from stardust i have the power to feel any emotion i want and no other human can touch that not my father not nobody then you're gonna feel incredible and that to me is the essence of inner child healing another thing here shoeb is that what we call what i've called the father wound what i've labeled as is it's not personal with the father there is no blame here whatsoever yeah. our ancestry which involves millions of years of evolution on this planet the men have mostly done the heavy work the fighting the warfare the hunting the fighting the animals so being in survival mode not being emotionally intelligent but just being hardened ready to go ready to kill ready to fight that was beneficial yeah. for the for the men all of our forefathers that was a beneficial trait and now all of a sudden they're getting stick for it in the modern era where we we don't need to be at war we don't need to fight lions we have jobs safe houses yeah. safe laws and it's like oh shit, now we need to be emotionally soft and mm. caring and men are having a difficult time and i feel that i understand it in my heart so this is a big thing and it goes back to our heritage as humans yeah. how does that land for you when you hear that yeah 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 this is this is really important because um <clears throat> i recently did a post on uh, on my instagram which basically touches on this uh, where i basically i touted it as fatherhood is not about changing nappies and I, I thought that might trigger some people right because i'm mm. not saying that fathers should not be involved in fact i'm probably one of the people in the whole kind of fatherhood instagram space that really encourages fathers to be involved from the get-go with your children like even from the point that the baby's in the womb to really be involved in the whole process of the pregnancy and immediately after the pregnancy but very early on because I had promised myself that, well, my father wasn't around, uh, so I'm going to make sure that I'm going to be really, really involved in my child's life, that I tried to be involved in every single point <laughs> of the process, such yeah. that it became so crippling. Why? Because like you said, it's not in my nature to 100% be on that that level of softness and that level of yeah, emotional the nurturing, connection yeah. and that nurturing. Whereas mm, for a mm. mother, that's we, we would find that, that that's that's there. Um, and so 
it became crippling to 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 the uh, to to such an extent that I felt guilty doing the things that I should be doing as a father, which is maybe going out to work, maybe doing this and maybe doing that, and um, and so mm. I I began to realize that actually success in my fatherhood isn't just about me doing the 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 the, the things which are directly involved with my children. Success in my yeah. fatherhood is also them seeing me go out and do things that look that that so they they can recognize that this was what a man or or, or a father does mm. when he he goes out and he provides he goes out and he protects he goes out and he does all of these other things as well and that that is very much part of his fatherhood and not it means that if he's not there for some time period uh, that's that's actually okay and and it was it was important for me to realize that because I felt like I was failing if I wasn't involved in all of these processes. So I think mm. I think that that point is really really uh, important to to know that there is sort of an there are some emotions and some uh, some of our psychology has a natural presence in in what has sort of naturally formed in, in human beings from our inner selves uh, and from what's been passed down to us through generations and now like you said that's being changed to such an extent that fathers. Uh, because they're sort of maybe being forced to take this role of being more involved than they may be used to, okay, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, I think it's a good thing that they are being more involved in their child's life, but because that's not happened before, there isn't this generational knowledge for a man to model himself of. Yep. Whereas for yep. a woman, there is just generational knowledge of what it is to be a mother and how to perform in mm. motherhood. Whereas for <laughs> fathers, it's not really there. And so the fathers are begin beginning to suffer and uh, and not being able to not having access to that generation knowledge and whilst you know men being men not talking to each other not letting their emotions out uh it's having a, a detrimental effect on how men are actually fathering um and so definitely this discussion needs to be open to realize that there are some natural characteristics that are starting to be maybe looked down upon or being mm. changed and mm. we need to allow fathers and men to have that space to rediscover that so that they can implement it in the right way when it comes to them being fathers and them being maybe good men in society being good husbands or whatever that is yeah yeah great points love them uh you said some interesting things there i think the first thing there actually is that you i don't know if you realized but the the guilt you felt of i can't go out and work as much because i need to be around more for my son because my father wasn't yeah. around for me so much <laughs> this very normal first stage of reacting to your trauma yes. <laughs> and thank god you you awaken from that because people go their whole lives as a reaction yeah. just reacting yeah. to something that happened in their childhood and the, the the intention is clean so if you're if you if your father was like did x so you want to do y to make sure you know you never become like that the thing is you're reacting to pain <laughs> and anytime you're reacting to pain you carry pain that's that's just a thing so the most healed state for anyone listening is if i were to ask you this question yeah. how would you behave right now if for a moment none of your past happened like it's just gone but you can't ask your logical mind this because it's going to try to think. If your whole past was just erased mm. right now and you were just happy, free, blank slate, what would, how would you feel different? And you don't actually have to ask, answer that now, but it's just a question for people to think about because then it's like, oh, 
I'm not carrying grief. Mm. Nothing's wrong with me. Nothing wrong happened to my mom. And that this is the the cleansing process of your heart. This is how you cleanse your body by removing the unhappy story because the unhappy story is what keeps the pain alive in your body. And this is one of the most fundamental healing processes. And once you've done that, you'll then be able to connect with your intuition yeah. and with your biology, like you've said. So it's like what a man's biology conventionally, masculine energy wants to compete, provide, protect, conquer, challenge themselves, do things that make us feel challenged, but grow as well. Whereas feminine energy conventionally is more concerned with nurturing and connecting with people. That's why women make mothers better. You know, that's why women can make children feel incredibly loved and safe and warm. Women are the messengers of love much more. But if you abandon your, your natural biology, it's going to hurt in different ways. Yeah. Um, but coming back to the fathers then, it's not that they want to, as I said before, it's not that they want to do what they're doing. They didn't choose to be that way when they were five. It just plays out as a result of the, the trauma they're carrying. Yeah, exactly. And um, this, this is an important point that you mentioned about natural biology. Like in, in Islam, this is what we call a fitra. So a fitra in, uh, is like basically your natural disposition that you've been created with that that um, because we have the belief that God is creator and he's created everything and everyone, that he's instilled this this uh, sort of natural thing that all human beings will come back to. Uh, and that natural mm. thing, it, it kind of puts itself across all stages. So the natural formation of your mind, where your mind settles, the natural way that your heart settles, the natural way in which you perceive right and wrong, uh, the natural uh, abilities to basically, you know, have social connections and and things like this so all, all the, the the kind of natural ways that we are and and what we say is that over time these this natural state becomes clouded so either it's become clouded from uh from a philosophical angle a theological angle where uh you no longer recognize god right uh, so it's become it's become clouded in that way and that that needs to be um you know, assessed through maybe more spiritual means, but there could also be a clouding of you. What you're just mentioning is you have told your, you've told yourself a story over so many years that this is who you are. And these are the circumstances that has created you and created the circumstances of your life. And you're retelling yourself that story every time you go into a new situation. You're, you're always telling yourself that story exactly. and that's that's you clouding up that natural instinct inside yourself to really just be you and to be able to step out of this story that you've told yourself and just connect with uh that natural thing inside of you that natural presence that you're supposed to be having uh between that vertical presence like i mentioned before between you and god once you're able to step out of that that zone of you telling yourself this story that's just being, you know, it's just this baggage, this baggage, this baggage, it's clouding you, it's clouding you, it's clouding you. And as soon as you break out of that, then you're able to actually see that actually, uh, like you said at the beginning, I'm actually in control of myself. Like I, I'm not in control of others and how they react and what their decisions are in their life, but I can make decisions for myself. And, and once you're able to really feel that, you're able to feel that that's, that's true freedom, right? That's, that's real freedom. Like people say that it's, you know, it's freedom to have millions and millions of pounds. 
But if that freedom of having that million pounds is also not sh- not also not attached to the freedom of being able to spend things without being told what you should spend on. If you're being told that you need to buy the next Rolex and you need to buy the next Ferrari and you need to buy you need to you need to spend your money on looking this way and that way, then that million pound isn't true freedom, is it? Because you're still being tied down by something else. So you need to get to a stage where there there is that true freedom where you can really uh, be able to talk to yourself, talk to God, talk to what is beyond yourself and experience that that level of true freedom to get out of this uh, stage of you telling yourself that you you only live through this traumatic experience and that's it, that's who you are. Yeah, yeah, great point. Like this is the next thing I wanted to talk about actually, that even if you tell yourself, okay, like you see, if you theoretically tell yourself, fine, it's not my father's fault, my past is clean, I don't carry no grief, everything's okay, I don't need to fix myself. The way we work is that we have deep programs in our subconscious. So if you as a child were programmed to live in survival mode because your father was explosively angry or you feel like you need to prove yourself because he was absent and you need to fill in his shoes and you know become a man at a young age because you're in those reactionary patterns of living with your guard up like you need to prove yourself you don't know that you're doing that because it's all you've ever done Mm. since a young age you you don't know that you're triggered so easily you don't realize that you are being offended easily you don't realize that you have a low self-worth and i i work with people who are like high-flying lawyers or just housewives or millionaires and they'll be in this rut every day day in and day out not realizing that they're on autopilot chasing more money chasing the next accolade or whatever because they think that's the only way for them to feel love because they didn't receive that love from the father or another parent as a child and when i tell them this hey you're in survival mode because you've been that way since you were a child it it creates an incredible wake-up moment for them um because they're like i mean it's painful it's like have i been in reaction this whole time and you'll always know Mm. because when you're in reaction there's a stress there there's an unease so you can you can go to therapy and do say that you've forgiven your past and whatever but energetically the emotions Mm. in your body if you're feeling unsafe if you're in survival mode it's always going to show because you take your work too seriously maybe you have money issues because you have a scarcity mindset around yeah. money because money was hard to come by in your household. Yeah. So you've inherited that programming too. And so you grow up and it's like every human listening to this has every right to to have great health, great wealth. Money is not hard to come by. It can be generated easily um, and great relationships. There's tools for that out there. But if you have a program that says, no, life has to be hard because guess what? When you were a kid, it was hard. Like you couldn't just relax in your living room. You might get told off, you know? And uh, if you're also scolded for making mistakes, uh, you drop a glass of water and you get told off, it gets rubbed in your face for the next three days. You get told you're clumsy. Or one of the favorites for uh, brown people, whether you're black or Asian, is that you're too dark. I wish you were lighter. (laughs) You know, things like this, these things, they stay with you. And then you don't realize. So every person can just do this simple exercise what are my triggers yeah what are the things that actually trigger me in the present moment Mm. and i do this all the time because it's the only way and your triggers will always reveal to you what are the things that you have stored 
pain about. So if I take the example of the person who wants to prove themselves through their career, I was talking to a lady just the other day, super successful in over in America she is, and she literally quit a high-flying job just because she was no longer the star there and thrived on the validation. And she quit a great job to get a new one so she could be the new star wow. there again and start that validation roller coaster all over again. Mm. And that's just one tiny example of how it can manifest because around, I think it was her father she mentioned, around father, she was never good enough for him. She was never enough. It was always like, but you didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. And that is a deeply painful wound to have. And again, it makes you reactionary as an adult. You're like, okay, because I'm not good enough. I have to have people tell me every day, you're amazing. You're a superstar. <laughs> That's one example of father wound manifesting. Yeah. These, these manifestations are really, really important to recognize. And I think <clears throat> more work should be done. I think people like yourself are, are starting to do it, which is letting allowing people to recognize what the manifestations are in their own life. Because like you said, a lot of people yeah. are living in survival mode, in the reaction mode, and they don't even know it because they don't recognize the symptoms in which you're living it. And and that's something I had to quickly realize as well, where, for example, this particular project of dadhood started off as a reaction. Well, why? Because I wanted to make a platform where I could speak about being a father because I didn't have my father around. And I wanted other people to know that, you know, this being being a father is important and you must be involved in your children's life all of that was a reaction to not having my dad around for years and years and years i told myself that i am when i become a father i'm going to be the best father when i become a father i'm going to be a great father but that that there's there's two sizes because it's not a bad thing that i started that podcast or this podcast it's not a bad thing that i'm speaking about fatherhood it's not a bad thing that i'm saying that people should be involved but where's the intention where is it coming from right? Is it coming from a reaction or is it coming from a genuinely sincere place? And, and that, that's, that's a switch that a lot of people need to make when they're living in this survival mode. They may be that them being put in survival mode may have given them good traits, may have given them good habits, may have given them a good psychology and a good outlook, outlook, sorry. But where is that, where is that being triggered from? Is that, is that constantly coming <clears throat> from a place of negativity, a place of reacting to some trauma? Or are they able to take control of that now and able to use those good things in the most best way possible and use it as a way to steer themselves and steer other people around them towards some sort of goodness? And that's what I had to realize mm. with this project. Mm. Is that, okay, it started mm. off like that, but I can now take control of it and I can steer it in the right direction. And I think a lot of people who have that father wound need to need to go through that process of healing so they can start steering the things that are in their life it doesn't mean you have to give up what your life is now like some people might be listening to you and saying that i've been living in my my whole life as survival does that mean i need to give up my life yeah, and change yeah. my life no it doesn't mm. it just means that you need to steer it in the right direction you need to you need to be the captain mm. of that ship rather than just letting it sail yeah amazing points thank you for those yeah powerful points because it's the same with everyone all of our ancestors we are a flipping reaction <laughs> we are a survival reaction man that's what we are we we respond to this we're a reaction to the sun the sun keep grows things on the planet we everything in life is an exchange with each other so there's nothing wrong with having been been in survival mode survival mode is actually sacred mm. because yeah. were it not for survival mode we wouldn't be here right now yeah. 
so it's a sacred thing and I cherish it and I'm thankful for it. Uh, but as I said, time, things change. Nothing in this universe ever stays the same. So what was once incredibly useful, which is survival mode, being hypervigilant, mm. pleasing others, being a people pleaser was an extremely valued uh, survival tool because if you please people in your tribe, they won't stab you. <laughs> they won't have you killed. <laughs> so that's the thing. Um, so these things that were once useful are only now becoming redundant mm. and making us suffer because we have more safety around us. So it's, it's a delicate process of having that compassion for yourself and saying, cool, now you have to go inward and say, what's going to give me that fulfillment? What does my heart want? Me, for example, I had crippling anxiety. I just sat and read books. I didn't know all I wanted to do was heal myself. And then that turned into basically a superpower where I'm able to spend time with clients one-to-one -one or in group classes and just heal decades worth of trauma mm. because of the years that I went through. So a really important principle is that all the suffering that you have been through is is gold because in this universe it's only through suffering that peace and joy is able to come even if you if you walk through a forest a beautiful forest full of the most incredible tall trees that's abundant with life but if you look on the ground it's all death it's literally dead leaves soil is nothing but dead animals and plants where do the trees grow from they grow from death yeah <laughs> that's the cycle of life something is born something dies something born something dies so trauma is like the death of the old ways and the birth of the new even planet earth was born from the death of a star that's the cycle of the universe so when you get in sync with this the cycles of the universe in that way you're like oh cool there's nothing wrong with me and if i'm triggered right now i can actually use it as a way to awaken yeah and that's a very very beautiful thing yeah this is this is really key point for myself because coming from uh an is you know an islamic muslim faith background um that's something that's taught constantly and constantly again through the teachings of islam like there's a there's a saying of the of the prophet muhammad where he says that the believer is between two states he's between patience and he's between gratefulness why because when something uh good happen uh, something bad happens to him in his life he's patient with that bad thing and whenever something mm. good happens in, to him in his life he's grateful for that thing and so he says mm. he ends it by saying therefore believers are always in a state of goodness no matter what happens right and yeah, so it's it's I just like instilling that. that psychology within yourself that um mm. whatever happens in your life whether it's a trauma whether it's something good will eventually always lead to a good outcome as long as you can react to it in the right way and i think that's the key thing of the prophet teaching us the way in which to react you must react to this bad thing with patience and this this great thing with gratefulness right this great thing that happened to you don't become arrogant due to it it wasn't because of you right it wasn't it would there were a thousand people around you that facilitated for this good thing there was god that also facilitated for this good thing and allowed it to happen so don't become arrogant become grateful and the same thing with the patience mm. right this bad things happen to you uh, don't just react to it and say oh my you know my, my life is going to end here 
and this is going to be the worst thing that's ever happened to me. It might feel that bad, but if you have some patience in it and you just try to endure it as much as possible and you then, in the the patience, right, the key thing with patience that the scholars of Islam, how they understand patience is that it's not you just enduring things, it's you seeing the bright side and running towards that bright side, right? So patience is, is not something that's stagnant, it's an active, it's a verb. It's doing patience. It's you actually finding solution. You're actually going out there and trying to get out of that mm. that hole that you're in right mm. now. Not just waiting mm. for that for mm. that hole to kind of you know uh, uh, for for it to fill up or for this problem <laughs> yeah. to disappear. You're actually finding <laughs> solutions to it. Yeah. So always being in a state of patience, a gratefulness that will actually mm. allow for your psychology to be maybe at the most. Uh, optimum and, and a healthy point mm. in which you're able to respond to whatever's going on and it, and it's so important so so you begin to recognize that actually what happened to me this father wound that happened to me if i wasn't reacting with it to it with patience and maybe i can start reacting to it with gratefulness maybe i can start seeing the good side to it maybe i can start seeing the ways in which it has shaped my life that's leading me to a positive direction i uh, maybe you know, for example, I was literally just speaking to one of my mentors about this, right? Sorry, sorry for taking time on this part. But I was just speaking to one of my mentors about this. And I said to him, you know, I've been doing some therapy. And I realized in one of those sessions that my mother going through that difficulty with my father, maybe for my mother, what it did is that it, it created some sort of characteristic and personality in her that she never had before because her father treated her amazingly. So she grew up with this protected sort of uh, lifestyle. And her now getting treated in a bad way, maybe it opened a characteristic and a personality in her that allowed her to be a bit more tough. And that toughness allowed her to then deal with these three children who were, who were really tough to deal with, <laughs> right? Me, my brother, my yeah. sister, were really yeah. tough people. And, and we did, you know, all sorts of things. Maybe, maybe she had to go through that in order to build that characteristic, in order to respond to her children in the best way possible. So I'm not saying that was the reason for it. I'm not saying that gives an excuse for abusive relationships. Definitely not. I'm just saying that maybe there's a way to think about certain things that have happened in your life in a way in which you can bring goodness and you can then start moving forward. I love that, yeah. So many good points <laughs> there. But on the last one yeah. uh, that you just spoke about, there is a beauty in everything and the thing is you cannot see it in the moment that you're hurting you have to go through certain cycles of being wounded feeling broken feeling devastated to then climbing out of that with your resilience and your faith and feeling wow this is why it happened so from a father wound so that we can be better men so that we can connect with our kids or the people around us or our wife or whoever in a more emotionally intelligent and loving way yeah. so that they don't feel abandoned they don't feel angry so that's the simple lesson there but there is a lesson in everything like you said about your this girl here who who needed to to learn some that resilience coming from a sheltered background mm. there's i do believe that there aren't coincidences i used to find that difficult to comprehend before but i just feel like i know it now because everything that happens around us there's there's so many factors as you said before thousands of things actually trillions of things had to happen for us to even be born trillions yeah. like how many people everything that happened for us to even be here 
trillions of things happened, you know. For, for us to be having this podcast, trillions of things happened. I don't even know how this works. I'm looking at a piece of glass and I can see your face somewhere else. Yeah. And there's people listening to us from all over the world. Like, wow. So, and this will lead to something else. There'll be people in the crowd having an awakening. So that everything has a chain effect on each other. And just because you can't see what beauty is involved now doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah. And what you, I like what you mentioned about arrogance before as well, because you see, and here's what's really deep. This always hits my clients. When, when we feel sorry for ourselves, it's one of the highest forms of arrogance and ego. <laughs> because what we're saying is all, all the gratitude that you could be having to have this breath, these two eyes that could mm. see this body just to be alive. It's like that my iPhone broke and I have money problems. Damn it. This little, you know, or something like that. Or when you move into feeling sorry for yourself, or even if it's your father or whatever, you're losing perspective of the bigger picture so badly and you're cocooning into your own little story yeah. incredibly well. All of your life energy that you have, you're cocooning into this feeling of like doom and anxiety and forgetting about the bigger picture and the power you do have. And you're, you're believing that. You're, you're putting so much energy and force into blaming your dad or blaming society or blaming your past, whatever, that what else is ar arrogance is that kind of that kind of force, that charge. So humility, I've found, is it's just the most empowering thing. I think God speaks to us, intuition speaks to us, the universe guides us when we move into humility. Yeah. When we're like, hey, I have this intention that I want to do this, but I know that I don't control everything. I'm one tiny piece of this life. And just give me that guidance, please. And it comes. That's what's happened for me, and you might feel the same way. I really believe in that. Yeah, yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. If you, if you, you finally tell yourself that, um, <clears throat> there are, there are factors beyond myself that influence the way that I lead my life. Um, and you recognize that there is guidance out there, like a, a divine type of guidance that is out there uh that that can steer your life in a certain direction then you begin to feel less of an anxiety because that 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 the anxiety that's that's there it's it's either you're thinking into the past worried about what you did or you're thinking into the future worried about what you are trying to do and all of that thinking of the past and the future paralyzes you from making any steps in the moment but once you recognize okay there is something higher above me that has this greater knowledge and has this divine guidance and in his hands could be the, the goodness in my life and the direction that I want it to go, then you start to take away this anxiety because that anxiety is only because you're thinking, what can I do and what did I do, right? But if, if you begin to realize that actually sometimes it's not just you, right? There are things that can happen without you making them happen. For example, did you choose who your mother was? Did you choose who your brother was? Did you choose your race? Did you choose your nationality? Did you choose for you to be born in this time period, in this era? There are so many things that are completely outside of our control that we can't be anxious about everything that's going to happen in the future and everything that happened in the past. And when we let that go and realize that actually there's something above me that can actually guide this into a much better direction, there's like a... 
there's a sense of this relief there's a sense of this breath yeah, coming massively. down and and yeah, and yeah, you yeah. can sort of just say well let me uh, uh go according to, to to this plan and that doesn't mean like like a, a common thing in 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 the islamic tradition is this phrase which is called tie your camel right which basically means that you know in the desert right they would have camels and 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 somebody would say well uh if if uh, god is supposed to take care of everything then i'll leave my camel here without tying its rope to the post and when i go into the shop and i come back the camel will still be there you can't just put your hands up and say that you don't tie your camel no you must tie a camel you must take some steps towards making that life that you want to make but there's a sense of relief that it's not all down to you you can't control yeah. every single little factor mm-hmm. because you didn't control the factors in the past about the circumstance in which you were born in, nor exactly. did you control many of the things that led you to your life here. So you're not going to control everything that happens later, but there's some things that you must control and leave the rest up to God or whatever it is that higher being. <laughs> I'm just laughing about the action taking because if you read too much into like law of attraction and mindfulness, you can start to think that you can just sit there and think positive and things will happen. But it doesn't exactly. work like that. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know I really love. I read this um, a great analogy for it online. If you take a farmer who wants to grow a beautiful crop, they go in the soil and they plant a seed in the soil, right? But when they plant it and when they've prepared the ground. The farmer doesn't control the sunlight that comes. How cloudy is it today? How sunny will it be? We don't know. The more sun, the more growth. Farmer doesn't control how many animals and insects are going to come and try to dig up those seeds and eat the crops or whatever. The farmer doesn't control the richness of that soil from the millions of years that happened before that. The farmer doesn't control the rainfall, the wind, the ice. In other words, there are a million more factors that you cannot control in your life. And the anxiety, the sense of doom, the self-pity, the lack of self-belief, all these negative heavy emotions come when you start to think that you're the only one driving this ship. You're like, (gasps) all this pressure, all the responsibility on me? (laughs) Shit. (laughs) And again, you start, that's where that that sneaky form of arrogance comes in. Yeah because you're making it all about me 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 yeah (laughs) and so what are the practical steps that we can actually take uh to move into faith move into humility by faith i don't just mean religion i mean yeah because i don't follow any religion Mm -hmm. i mean believing in a bigger plan and relaxing internally well for me one thing i want to share is that I've been following a certain routine for two and a half years since lockdown came and it changed my life. So this is, this is incredible. Um, in the morning, before I think about like business or clients or coaching or bills or getting back to my mom or anything like that, that involves tension, I think about my well being. number one priority. So I meditate to clear my mind. I groom to make sure I look and feel good right? We all feel good if we feel good. (laughs) Um, Have a cold shower. That's huge. Like a nice, just a 30 second spray of cold water at the end of your shower is going to make you feel so alive. It's incredible. And then I'll go outside, get some sunlight, breathe in that fresh air, maybe a little exercise. You do these few simple things and now you're connected with life. You're not stuck in your little head about little me and when you're connected to life in that way it's very healing it's very profound it empowers you for the day 
and you, you you're in a better place to take on things whether it's healing from a father wound or yeah. finding a new job whatever it is that's amazing man that's amazing i'm, I'm, I'm definitely gonna uh, you know note some of those things down when i listen back to this and start editing it <laughs> yeah, yeah especially yeah. that cold shower man that, that's that, that must, that must it, trust me it's incredible you it, gotta it try it scary but i have done it a couple of times here and there it is I'm scary not made, <laughs> I'm not made it daily routine um i'm i'm i'm, I'm guessing it's easier yeah as you as you do it every day <laughs> it gets easier but it's never easy like i've been doing it two and a half years it's winter right now yeah. and it's 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 brutal still i'm like but here's the thing you got to learn to surrender and relax to the brutality of it and if you can relax in the cold man everything else feels easy mm. believe me yeah, this... yeah and it does stabilize your nervous system as someone's correctly said in the mm. in the comments there somebody said an ice bath as well that, that, that'll mm. take a while though wouldn't it <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no i think um morning routines are, are powerful aren't they i mean in again going extreme back to kind of my, my own background um what we're advised from from our faith is uh to make the most of the mornings because the morning has a blessing in it is, is, is a saying you know morning the morning has a blessing and that blessing can sort of manifest in in, in many different ways and you find that even now through you know many sort of scientific studies that um if you if you get things done in the morning, you work out in the morning, or you wake up a bit earlier, you 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 have you write you know sort of maybe into a gratitude journal or something in the morning, it starts off your day in in, in the best way possible, and so maybe that is the sort of blessing in the morning that's that's been spoken about, and so we obviously try to make sure that we pray in that morning, um, and that we uh, make sort of personal supplications to God as well in terms of what what we want this day to look like. So for example, there is. Uh, supplication that says you know god i want in this day i want you to give me good health and good wealth and, and 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 you know and all these types of things so it's sort of just setting you up for the day where you're sort of spiritually ready and you kind of know that your your day should be going in in, in the best uh, direction as possible and i think that's it's definitely a good step for somebody who wants to you know part of that father wind that we're saying is stepping outside of uh the anxiety uh, taking a uh, recognizing that you don't have to always tell yourself this story from the past and that um, neither do you always have to have the pressure to control every single uh, variable that happens during that day and so a way to start start kind of healing that fatherhood I think the morning routines and stuff like that are, are very very powerful but that can't be the end of it right there, there needs to be a lot more that that needs to be done in terms of like some of the services you offer which is akin to therapy uh and maybe even going through formalized professional therapy if that's something that that you need as well yeah yeah exactly well said yeah when you when you do things like basically bring your body into a better energetic state so you've done your cold shower you've got your sunlight you've done some deep breathing <sighs> <sighs> you feel relaxed you feel soft you feel safe problem with that is as soon as someone cuts you off in traffic or someone says you did rubbish at work oh you mother <laughs> you know so if your trigger comes up your trigger reveals something deeper yes for example at work someone says oh you didn't do this correctly i've told you to before instead of just taking that as normal feedback which perhaps is a little critical and maybe they're right maybe you did make a mistake nothing wrong with that makes you feel like you're gonna die it feels like doom <laughs> so
so you're not responding to it as a as a regular daily thing you're actually responding to it as the afraid and confused child that you once were yeah. who is terrified of your father's judgment and that's where inner child healing mm. comes in most adults including myself everyone yourself but just to different degrees we react to present moment things as the scared and afraid child that we were at eight years of age. Very true. I deal with overweight people. They, the, the most typical common thing worldwide is, you know, they're doing good. They lost a few pounds. Then it's, they have a slice of pizza and they're like, oh, I'm such a bad person. I'm overweight. I'm horrible. I'm shameful. They're not just reacting to enjoying some pizza. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're reacting to all the fat shaming they received mm, mm. when they were 10. Now they feel like it's really true. I'm a bad fat person. Yeah. And so the, the emotional signature of your past lives inside of you. And Indians call that karma. Mm. That is our, our responsibility in this life to work that out the negative energetic signatures of our past to just gently work that out and as you do this another thing is there's a lot of talk about healing nowadays another thing is that there's nothing wrong with you man <laughs> <laughs> you got traumas you got triggers there's nothing wrong with that. you this is you you don't need to fix yourself man i fell into that trap for a little bit um don't put pressure on yourself you are exactly as god intended mm -hmm. remember there's a bigger plan relax <laughs> relax completely relax slow down even when you know there's things to work on money issues fitness issues inner child healing chill out about it allow yourself to do everything in the day allow yourself to go outside have a walk allow yourself to watch a movie allow yourself to work out don't just think oh and no, i need to rush and get this one thing done because rushing to get this one thing changed is in itself a trauma response mm. <laughs> the desperation to get something done before i can be happy is also a trauma response from childhood that said <gasps> you know when your parents catastrophize something <laughs> you didn't take the chicken out you didn't hoover <laughs> you didn't do you know and they, they come down on you like a ton of bricks so you say oh god you know i can't relax it's not true you're safe to relax right now I think that's that's super important that we shouldn't put too much pressure on ourselves um and uh and the healing comes at a time when it needs to come right like uh you know recently just just speaking to my brother and he's going through this uh process of healing i'd say um and he's much older than me you know he's he's uh, he's about six years older than me um okay. and so you'd imagine that you know uh you know the, the the eldest would maybe go through healing and then the next one and then, and then the youngest one and it doesn't always work out like that everybody sort of has their own timeline of when that healing is going to occur because there's, there's different things that happen at different points in, in people's lives uh, but i think it's also obviously important to kind of keep at the forefront that um the healing is important at the end of the day uh you know i remember speaking to my brother at one point and saying that you know he, he him saying you know, I'm I'm happy that I don't have to have a relationship with my dad, and I'm and I'm. It gives me so much peace, and it gives me so much freedom. And I said to him, "Well, you might feel like that right now, but you're gonna feel like that when you have a child." And he couldn't say anything. Why? Because then you're 
like I realized when my child came, my the the problems of my inner child came out. And that's gonna mm. happen, right? <laughs> so why not why not yeah. address it? Uh, before it mm. gets to, to to that point, so I'm not saying put pressure mm. on yourself to do it because everybody because it's a trend to do this healing. I say take it take it at a time where it feels best for you, but but also don't don't leave it until you have to respond to it because of some sort mm. of shock and calamity mm. that's coming to your life. Like you know, <laughs> allow yourself to to catch catch yourself before that 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 point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, lovely points. Yeah, I think it's a very nice way to start wrapping this conversation yeah. up quite beautifully yeah. as well because it is just it's just confirming that you know there's a sweet spot that all of us humans need to attain which is a daily practice which is right what are the priorities in my life? Okay, perhaps healing from a father wound or some kind of trauma is one of them. How can I balance that into my life? Like I'm not going to ignore it as though it's not important because that's denial. But I'm not going to chase it either because that's desperation and it's just another form of trauma <laughs> to, to try to get something done as though it's life or death and it's not life or death. Yeah. So finding that middle ground for yourself, wherever you are, whatever age you're at, whatever stage you're at, it can be done. Yeah, definitely. Even if you're actually living at home with your father who you're unhappy with mm. that's where i did the bulk of my healing when i was living at home with a father who was unhappy with i just created my little safe sanctuary in my bedroom and uh used the tools actually which came through him such as self-help books which is another source of gratitude that our uh, uh, whilst we can look back and say man this happened because of so and so well so did the good things mm. he wouldn't be here if it weren't for him i wouldn't be who i am were it not for my father right so <laughs> it's always important to shift to gratitude more in everything you do so yeah, i feel like such a nice way to summarize this is to relax you know not take it too seriously remember there's there's, there's a silver lining yeah. a large silver lining in this and to count your blessings more than you count your problems. 100%. That's a huge part of my daily life. And if people stick to this, in itself, you may intuitively carve your own path to inner child healing as I did. Mm. But I'll also mention, as you said, there are much more powerful ways. Um, most people come to me from therapists, I'll be honest, okay. from professional psychologists, from counselors, because these conventional methods are really slow unfortunately mm. because they use intellect yeah. to solve deep energetic problems what i do is instead of talking i go into the body directly into the nervous system and i see people healing decades worth of trauma in a single session even it's possible it's in it's incredible yeah like and it's not pretty people should know that mm. inner child healing is not pretty i spend like two days of flooded in tears when i got to my inner child and i healed it, it it's it was tears and tears and tears m perhaps more than two days it is not a pretty process because you're gonna have to face all the dormant shit that you've hidden the dormant pain the pretending like you're okay with what your dad did pretending like you're not in pain pretending like you're happy just because now you've made a million dollars and got the dream house it's all bull underneath that you know when when sometimes you don't know actually because humans are masterful at hiding things and being in denial but yeah everyone should know that inner child healing is a is you're gonna cry a lot you, you my whole body was shaking wow. 
in grief and pain. The whole body from shakes. I have clients who, they like one of their arms, for example, or a part of their body, they'll get head throbbing headaches. The arm will become physically tense. The legs will feel jammed. Why? Because trauma lives in the body. Yeah. Which is why therapy is slow, yeah. very slow. Therapy is talking up here. Trauma, which is emotion. Emotion is energy. Energy in motion. Physical energy lives and runs through your body. If you heal that body, it's going to shake, it's going to tremble, and then it's going to be reborn. That is how deep healing works. I think... Um... A really powerful book on, on, on that that I read was uh, The Body Keeps the Score. I'm not sure if you, you've read it. Yes, so yes, yes, that, exactly. That that kind of goes goes quite deep into into that uh, aspect. Somebody's just mm, mentioned it now. Mm, <laughs> the yes, body keeps the yes. score. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's very powerful. It's very important. And it gives That's you... That's all van der Kolk, right? Yes. Yeah. It gives mm. you a, a different outlook into traumas and, and therapy and all the things that, that, that we've been discussing. And I think it does... It does it has a sort of a mindset shift in terms of how, how you approach some of these things. I think one of the things I'd, I'd like to leave people with, um, if you don't mind, just adding something on, is... Um, <clears throat> Like we've been saying, having that God level accountability, you know, I think is is so important. Um, knowing that there is, number one, there is, you know, there is God there that can di direct your, your your life in a in the most sort of divine way, so you you don't have to uh, take control of everything. But also at the same time that um, if you've been created, you've been created for some sort of purpose, and 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 you need to sort of find what that is and attune yourself with it so that you're not just living your life for yourself you're living your life beyond yourself attuned to this 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 kind of god-given purpose and it's and it's it's moving you in a in a positive direction because once you do start some of this this healing it can very easily and it did for me it can it can it can you can start falling into arrogance you know you can start saying that well I'm the one that's taking this path towards healing and I'm the one that's reaching out to my dad and I'm the one that's feeling all of these emotions and I'm the one that's going through this and that. And, and if I get over this, it's because of me, right? And if I manage <laughs> to solve this, it's because of me. Yeah. And, yeah. and the only way to really, uh, really get that out of your system is to realize that it's not you in reality. It's this, it, it's God given purpose that you're, you're directing yourself towards and and obviously for for us to what that translates to as muslims is is that god wants us to reach paradise and so he's given us this methodology to sort of reach paradise and and so it's kind of like me healing myself it's because of that me talking to my dad is because of that something happens in my, in my life it's because of that something happened in the past is because of that and so it goes beyond beyond just myself and it goes beyond just anyone else and it keeps going keeps going in a positive positive direction but i think I think even if you're not thinking about it the way I'm thinking about it, if you're not Muslim, you've got another outlook, you can take that as a lesson that knowing that this is God level of accountability, that you don't have to control anything and everything can go in a direction that's beyond just yourself. And hopefully that should start to maybe uh, allow you to either start or maybe even speed up that journey towards healing. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, I was aware that... so. So show you yeah. from for the listeners, Shoaib runs a podcast, like we said in the start, Dadhood, and and you are a Muslim, so it's fine for you to talk about yeah 
uh, you, how rooted you are in God. Uh, someone from the audience, and I'm sure other people may be feeling this, people are potentially triggered by that word. And just because someone talks about God doesn't mean that they're pushing that on you. The essence of, of that is... I mean, if you're sat there right now, your heart is beating. It's got, got nothing to do with you. You don't control that, but it's keeping you alive. Yeah. Even if you forget about it, it keeps beating for you. How? Why? We don't know. Science. Science doesn't even know. And that mystery element to the universe is what people basically call universe if they don't like using the word God is what we were referencing earlier. So that's a nice way to look at it as well. If you, if the word God feels loaded to you, then I, I invite people to just consider that things run our body. The cells in your hair and your nails are growing as we speak and we don't know why that's happening. So we can all choose whatever word we want, but it's a fact that things happen that are not in our control. And if we surrender to that and trust it, if we trust the parts that are not in, in our control, then we're going to be able to relax. And uh, yeah, perhaps that's what, what you're really pointing to. Yeah. So I love that message. And yeah, so we're, we're it's been a great conversation. It's we're been amazing. about an hour and 20 in. I hope, we, I hope the crowd here feels like we've given you a lot of good value, a lot of actionable steps about taking simple actions and doing deep, in a child healing and that the end result is love is and you can measure it by how often are you triggered mm. how easeful are you how grateful are you to be alive how non-reactionary are you how compassionate are you towards yourself these things are good measures towards how how healed you are and it's not always going to be perfect you you're still human you'll still always be triggered uh, in whatever you do so these are the messages that I want to leave. And once again, thanks for reaching out to me to collaborate for this. It's been fun. Thanks for having me Problem. on your podcast. And uh, I look forward to perhaps doing this again sometime. Definitely. This has been a really fruitful discussion. I think it's been a, a part of healing for myself. Uh, it's just having this discussion. And I think, you know, um, in, in, in 2023, we are now. <laughs> um a lot of this doesn't happen anymore sitting together with some somebody for an hour and just to have a chat about some of these things so uh, <laughs> i think i think that yeah you know, it's if, true, if, it's if, true. If this didn't benefit you guys who are watching it benefited me and that's all that matters <laughs> <laughs> people are definitely saying it benefited and me too it was nice to hear your perspectives thanks for being vulnerable and sharing your story no Shoaib. and uh, i'm sure we'll talk offline now so goodbye to you and goodbye to everyone thank you everyone for joining us here today thanks guys